Hello and welcome back to the Start a Glamping Business podcast. Uh, the excellent guests just keep coming on. Uh, today we've got the founder of uh, one of, if not the coolest uh, startup in what we would call the glamping industry. Jeff may disagree, I know he's got bigger ambitions, uh, but what he's doing is certainly um, within the scope of what we talk about on the Start a Glamping Business podcast. So Jeff Wilson, founder of Dupe, uh, welcome. Uh, just to start off, could you just tell us a little bit about Dupe as a business, uh, the structures that you, that you use, because they're really cool, uh, and just, just your general business model, really. Yeah, super excited uh, to be here. Thanks. Uh, lo- love everything you guys are working on. Um, so Jupe essentially is the you know Ferrari, Bugatti of the glamping world. Uh, it is designed by the person that designed the Cybertruck. We built the first one and the SpaceX engineer that built uh, Elon's uh, rocket going to Mars prototype in his garage. And we have taken a very high design um, uh, approach to the sort of glamping structure. Uh, and we've thought about all the pain points that folks generally go through as well, uh, which, which uh, I can talk about in terms of code, uh, resistance to mold and water and wind, um, uh, delivery time, setup, decking, all that stuff that people generally have problems with. So, yeah, that's, a, that's an overview. Just on, on the on the well, first of all, the, the structures themselves—they're um, kind of unique, spacey style structures. And, and if you're watching on YouTube, we'll hopefully the editor will have put uh, an image up. If you're listening on the on, on audio, um, then we'll put links in the description. But could you just give like a quick 10, 15 second description of what the structures look like? First of all, yeah. So I mean, imagine a sort of angular structure from space. Uh, that uh, probably the closest thing it looks like is like a diamond or maybe a cyber truck. It's really hard to describe. You need to go to jupe.com to check it out. Um, But they are 11 feet tall on the inside. They're really tall, uh, really spacious. Baltic birch uh, floors throughout. Uh, Track LED lighting, you know, uh, milled down to the millimeter uh, furniture that's built in. Uh, pretty hard to describe, actually. It looks like a landed spaceship. You need to go to jupe.com for two seconds uh, and check it out. There you go. There you go. And you're a revenue share mod. You've got a revenue share model, right? So could you just tell us a little bit more about how that works? Yeah, there's two different ways we do it. So for very large projects, we'll do a revenue share. So essentially, we'll charge you a very small amount for the jupes and then we'll split the revenue. That's only on projects of 20 jupes or more. For smaller projects, and uh, you know what we're essentially doing is selling selling them. And right now, uh, we uh, do have some additional inventory for this season uh, that we're actually doing a deal. So this is the first time I've announced this publicly, um, but we are actually making a really good deal on sales of the units right now uh, for the rest of this season. Okay, cool. Um, and so I think before we, we go into your story, the lessons you've learned and everything like that, I think it's important to, to dig into your backstory because uh, you're a pretty interesting guy. You, you've done a lot. You've got a lot of cool, I suppose, dinner party anecdotes that I'm sure you could bring out and entertain <laughs> guests with. Uh, one of which is is uh, what I'm going to what well, what you call the dumpster experiment, uh, which will probably mean nothing to 99% of listeners. So um, I'd love you. I'd love for you to just tell us a story of how Dupe came about, uh, and yep. in particular mentioned that dumpster experiment. Yeah, so eight, nine years ago, I was an environmental science professor at a school in Texas. And 
was uh, frankly a little bored, but also wanted to do a radical experiment. So convinced the university uh, to let me live in a 33 square foot dumpster behind the dorms for a year. I sold off everything I owned. I went completely off grid and I wanted to just see how little I could live on and also in this sort of symbol of waste, right? All this stuff we sort of throw away. So did that for a year. As you might imagine, city coding and zoning officials got very interested if I had any permits in this. And that was when I sort of started my exploration of ways to very quickly go through the permitting process and build something more like a product. The, right after I left the dumpster, within a month, I started a prefab modular housing company for backyard ADUs, sold that off at the end of 2018, and then started Jupe. And that's where we are now. Amazing, amazing. I, I think you're probably the, the first guest we've had on that's lived in a dumpster, and that's a pretty pretty cool story to tell. Yeah, um, you know, there's not a lot of us. There's a guy in San Francisco, and I think there's one guy in the UK, but we are a pretty small, uh, tight-knit tribe. <laughs> I'll have, to, I'll have to find the guy in the UK when I go back home uh, in a couple of weeks. For um, real. <laughs> so you're clearly a very creative guy. Um, you can see that um, you've got a unique style. Um, you lived in a dumpster again. You, um, you've got these, this, this really cool startup that um, has these amazing structures that are, are totally unique. Um, where do you get your best ideas from? You know... Um there is this idea that it comes from within. This stuff is just manifested in our brains and sort of comes out of the ether. Uh, there is a, um, a, a book that just came out by Rick Rubin, who is the most prolific uh, sort of, I think it's called The Creative Act. And Rick talks about that creativity actually comes from gathering a lot of things up, a lot of sort of data and experiences, and then cutting out all of the noise in your life and then seeing what emerges, right? And I've spent a lot of my life, you know, I've been to 83 countries, uh, every country in Europe, except I think like Belarus. Uh, I have lived in a bunch of places, I spent a lot of times, you know, doing kind of weird stuff, gathering up these experiences. And I think the creativity really comes from that. It's not some innate thing that people have. It really is going out and gathering up a lot of the raw material. Um, and, uh, then, then, then things emerge. Amazing. And, and so, um, going back to, to Jupe's development, I suppose, um, you went through the Y Combinator process. Anyone who's familiar with, with, uh, San Francisco and the, and the tech world will, will, will know what, what Y Combinator is. But for those who don't, it's kind of, it's a startup school. It's probably, would you agree? It's the most prestigious startup. Yeah. School? So about 30,000 people apply and about 200 get in. Yeah. So it is uh, by far the most competitive, the most sophisticated. Uh, they have, uh, you know, Airbnb, Coinbase, uh, Instacart, um, Cruise, like a number of the sort of decacorns, unicorns out there started at Y Combinator. Um, I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, and, and you're certainly the only glamping operator that's gone through that process. Um, what did you know? What did you learn from that process? What does it teach you, and, and how has it 
um, you know, how is that manifested in, in what Jeep is like today? I mean, look, Y Combinator is 16 hour days uh, for, I think, 10 weeks, seven days a week. They're not messing around. Uh, so it'd be really hard to encapsulate everything that we learned. Um, but a few things, uh, you know, one is ship early like launch, right? A lot of folks will spend so much time perfecting the product, perfecting the product, perfecting the product, but get something out there, learn from your users, improve the product and do it again. And so we followed this in Jupe, right? Rather than me getting the perfect glamping unit together and everything all sophisticated and perfect. No, we got a completely janky unit put it on a hilltop in LA illegally. And I got this founder of Soylent, a guy that's known for experimenting to sleep in it the first night. And then we began to improve, get more out there and proof, right? So that was one of the things, um, you know, and, and it's also around like, um, you know, make, make something that people want, right? So we had to look around in the environment. It wasn't just about like what they wanted from like a sexy looking tent, but people don't want to have to permit things to code. They don't want to pour a foundation. They don't want to pay a lot for shipping. They don't want to take months to set something up. They don't want to make, take months to, to, to wait for something. So all of that stuff we kind of built into our larger philosophy at Jupe. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is just a quick note to say that this podcast is brought to you by Glamper Techs in North America. And what we do is we help you through the process of starting a glamping business no matter what stage you're at. So if you need to find a property, we'll tell you where the most suitable area is to start your glamping business. If you have a property, we'll look at your local zoning code and tell you how likely you are to get your project off the ground according to the zoning rules and regulations in your local area. We'll also give you a really good roadmap of permits that you'll need and regulations that you'll need to be aware of to get your glamping business off the ground. If you need financing, we'll introduce you to our range of financing partners and do you a feasibility study that will give you some really solid financial projections and market analysis that will allow you to acquire the funding that you need. If you need glamping units, we'll talk you through your options and introduce you to one of our trusted manufacturing partners to ensure that you're looked after throughout the whole process. If you need a site design or if you need permits to move forward with your project, we've got architects who will do all your drawings, make all your arguments and essentially allow your dream to become a reality. The list goes on and I don't want to bore you, so I'll let you get back to the episode in a second. All I'd say is that Glamper Techs North America are the people to speak to about starting a glamping business in the US or Canada. So if you're even thinking of starting a glamping business, just get in touch with us at contact at glampertech.com or 646-586-2330. All the details are in the description and no matter what stage of the process you're at, we will be able to help, whether it's doing something ourselves or pointing you in the right direction of our partners. Just let us know that you came from the podcast and we'll see about doing you a little discount along the way. So thanks for listening and I'll let you get back to the episode. So you, you mentioned there, you, you know, you, you uh, shipped early, iterated, improved. Um, what's the difference from, from Duke when you shipped on day one to when you put it onto the, that hill illegally in, in California to today when you're, you've got, I, I mean, I, I, can't, I don't quite know how many units you've got out there. So ha, I mean, how many units have you got out there? And what's the difference between um, day one and, and today? Yeah, so a lot of uh, this was another thing uh, that one of Y Combinator's catchphrases is do things that don't scale, right? So in the beginning, the uh, sort of idea is that we should be doing all these things for scalability. 
but it's actually doing things that don't scale, right? So the way that we built that jupe, the kind of um, uh, dimensional lumber that we used, uh, uh, a lot of the materials, both in the top uh, and in the solid bottom, we, messing around with all the off-grid stuff was a complete pain in the ass. Making things off-grid is very, very, very hard, especially making them comfortable. And so uh, we began to tweak, uh, you know, the way that we put these things together, the way we CNC'd them, uh, the materials, the lighting. You know, there's probably been 500 small tweaks, but the general idea is still the same, right? Is that we cannot ship air, we cannot have to deal with code, and take away as much of the noise as possible of setting up a clamping site. And, and that one clear idea, I think, is important because, you know, when you went to Y Combinator with this idea, uh, you obviously had to pitch them. You, you're dealing with seasoned, hardened investors uh, who, who know what they're talking about, have seen it all before. Um, so, you know, you need more than just a, a decent sales pitch. What do you think was the, the secret sauce or that one key idea that they saw in Dupe that, that um, led to you being accepted into the program and, and led to you being where you are today? You know, I asked them that later. I was like, you guys don't really invest in glamping like yeah. companies. You don't invest in hardware much, but you know, maybe uh, generally like less than 5% of the batch is not software, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they said, look, we saw the potential for Jupe, uh, not in glamping, you're right, we didn't invest in a glamping company, but glamping was sort of the Tesla Roadster market for you guys for ultimately solving a problem for 1.5 billion people out in the world that need adequate housing. So if you guys can figure out how to make this very expensive electric vehicle, right, in the Tesla model, you could eventually make a much cheaper one. So that was one part of it. A big part of it was, a, so that's a very, very, very big market. So this is one thing early stage VCs look for. Um, the other thing is the idea, right? We had a pretty good idea of how we flat packed these. And now we can put them in containers, actually, so ship them all over the world. Um, and then uh, the third was a team. This wasn't our first rodeo, right? My co-founder has built Escalades in 57 seconds. Um, you know, I've had several of these type companies um, and uh, just our overall team. So, yeah, look, we have much bigger ambitions. Glamping's fantastic, but ultimately I want to solve housing for, you know, hundreds of millions of people in the world. Yeah, so this is obviously a glamping podcast, so we want to have a bit of a focus on that. But obviously, you know, this this grand ambition, uh, is we've got to talk about it. So tell me a little bit about this 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 ambition to solve housing uh, and, and, you know, the role you see Duke playing in that. Yeah, a lot of this is not around just how we manufacture Jupes, put them together, the technology within that process, but it's actually about the business model. So there is no fleet housing business model out there in the world right now, right? You cannot say, uh, hey, uh, we have a wildfire in Northern California. Let's get a bunch of housing there and set it up. Okay, now we've got a billionaire's wedding in Montana, right? Let's go out there and set these troops up. Now there is an earthquake in Haiti or a war in Ukraine, right? If you had tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of these housing units, right, that could be moved around within containers, now you're managing a global fleet, right? So whether it is glamping, almost all this stuff's seasonal, right? If you look at um, uh, Under Canvas, go look at their website. One of the largest like glamping operations. They are shut down at all of their sites from about October to March. None of them operate. So 
for me, that's money left on the table. Why not build a very rapid redeployable unit and move those down to Mexico in the middle of the winter, right? Or use them for some other use case. So I wanted something that was really, really mobile and nimble. And that's what we designed in June. Yeah, and, and so, you know, that's the long-term plan. I imagine at the minute, most of your time is taken up by, by the glamping element. How do you see uh, those coexisting say 10 years from now you know how, how big do you see your presence being in glamping versus in the housing sector or accommodation sector that, that's you know yeah look um we're we, the, this unit that we make right now is specifically for glamping right it's not going anywhere else so i see us always being in that market um glamping's a three billion dollar market it's a pretty big market and it's growing pretty fast uh housing is a 10 trillion dollar Right. So our investors, uh, you know, uh, and ourselves, our investors for financial gain and ourselves for both financial and, you know, saving the world kind of stuff. Uh, we want to really crush glamping and make this thing perfect for that industry. But at some point we'll grow out of it. And so where are you in the glamping space at the minute in terms of um, location? How many locations have you deployed at and how many units have you got uh, on site at the minute? Yeah, so we've made uh, over 250 units. Um, we are at about 15 locations, uh, a few on the East Coast, um, but almost everything in the West and in the Southwest. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got a variety of customers from, and actually some in the mountains in Colorado as well. Uh, so that's the geography. And what, where do you see Jeep going in the glamping space over the next five, 10 years? Yeah, I would like to uh, get us up to call it 10,000 units in the next five years. Um, I would like us to get to more of a dynamic fleet model. Right now, we've only moved these a few times. For example, we had a customer that had bought about six jupes in uh, northern Colorado, but he also had property down in the Mojave in Southern California. So in the winter, you don't really leave these things up all winter, right? We took them down, moved in the Mojave, and they continue to turn cash. So I would like to have something where uh, we are much more mobile, uh, but still providing uh, a really great experience in nature. And so, you know, you've got the, these grand visions. You're a, you're a, you know, I suppose we'd say a Silicon, uh, Silicon Valley founder. Um, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty cool guy. Uh, but we want to dig into a bit. The audience, you know, are looking for, for advice on starting a glamping business and, and best practices yep. and things like that. So you said you've got 15 locations there. Um, you're, 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 you are a glamping operator, I suppose. And so I'd be interested in knowing, you know, have you learned any lessons from deploying these units and creating this, these, these experiences in nature uh, for guests, uh, for wealthy yeah. guests as well? It, what, what are the kind of lessons you've learned doing that and, and the Look, improvements you've made? Uh, it is all about location first. Most people know that. But then amenities, right? So having you know, the additional cost you might spend on a dual shower head, on a hot tub, right? Or on something kind of special, right? A sort of uh, treehouse shower or something like this. Folks are paying to get deep into nature, but you're going to get a much higher ADR by putting a little bit of money into some of those amenities. And what people want to do a lot of times is throw up the tenor tent, right, and a squat bucket potty, 
right? And uh, think that that's really going to crush. What's going to crush are something unique and having investing a little bit in those amenities, right? So even if, uh, you know, if you don't have a ton of capital, this is not something smart to say for my own business, but start with some smaller like bell tents. They're only going to last a year, right? And put that money into some of the amenities to build up your business. And then you can come along later when you want to raise the ADRs and get some jupes. But if you put some jupes down without good bathrooms, without showers, some of these amenities, you're not going to get high enough ADR. And so you really need to invest in that. Yeah. And if anyone wants bell tents, feel free to come to me because we have got some available. Um, a bit, but what yeah, you said and, there. And Nick, how, how much are your bell tents? Uh, I mean, our bell tent's probably around $1,500. Right. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, frankly, look, I'm not going to bullshit people. Like, why are you going to go buy a $30,000 jupe, right, when you can get 20 of them of these bell tents from Nick? Again, we know maybe they get some mold, maybe they don't last so long, they don't blow, but that's fine. Build up your business, right? Get your amenities going, and then later you can start mixing in some jupes, right, for a higher ADR. Mm-hmm. That's how uh, I do it. Yeah, and what, what you said about spending that those little extras on, on the amenities to improve the ADR, that's exactly what, I don't know whether you know Ben Wolf from uh, Anera. Uh, he's got a, a, a unique outdoor hospitality business. He refuses to use the term glamping, but essentially... I don't like high, it either. High, high, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what we mean. Uh, and, and he said the exact same. He said it's really important to to spend those little extras on, on the little extras uh, because they make all the difference uh, and they're going to bring people back time and time again. And in fact, he said that his biggest mistake was initially scrimping on, 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 on those small things and, and going cheap. Yeah, I mean, it's actually worth, uh, Frank, Frankly, scrimping on the actual tent accommodation and spending more on the amenities, right? Yeah. I think it has to do with some uh, some form of human psychology, right? Of folks, they know they're going in the woods, right? And they've thought about their whole sleeping situation. It's probably okay if it's a little uncomfortable, but when they're going in a porta potty or they don't have a place to shower or these kind of things, I don't know what the psychology of it is, but it works to put extra effort into those amenities. And Jupe's quite a young company, but are there any mistakes you've made, particularly in the glamping space so far, that you've rectified and learned from? Yeah, I mean, one of them is this uh, not having amenities, right? We have gone and tried some of these rev share deals where there was no bathroom, no shower, like no, uh, you know, hot tub, sauna, those kind of things. And we just weren't able to get the ADRs. I think the other thing is having a suite of products. I'm now making a $3,500 product, right, Um, that are at a variety of like price ranges. Not everybody can afford a Bugatti or a Ferrari, right? just not that big of a market. Now we do sell them and we sell a lot of them, but uh, it's generally for folks at the very high end premium that want a very specific design experience, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the question we ask at the end of every podcast. Um, It gets the same answer every time, but but it's still fun to ask and see your reaction. So the final question I would ask uh, Jeff is, are you happy with your decision to start this business? Maybe I'll just be completely outside and say it was a terrible <laughs> idea. 
If I was, was to terrible. bet on anyone, any guest saying that, it would probably be you. It was fucking terrible, trend. man. I should have just stayed in the dumpster. No, look, I mean, I will say it's really, really, really hard, right? This whole idea of, oh, my God, I'm going to just throw some tents up and build it and they will come. It is not like that. It is a grind. It is hard, hard work. You're going to have some failures, but, you know, what else are you going to do? It's not too bad of a life getting out there and being in beautiful nature. And if you do enjoy meeting people and getting folks that typically are in nature and being their sort of gateway drug to that, then it's fantastic. So uh, it's been worth it, but uh, it hasn't been easy. And I don't think people should kid themselves uh, thinking uh, it is. Exactly. Uh, But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, um, to work with you, uh, buy a jupe, whatever, how do they do that? Uh, probably Instagram's best. So jupe Inc. I-N-C is our Instagram. My uh, Instagram is prof dumpster, short for professor dumpster, P-R-O-F dumpster. Um, and you can also just check out jupe.com. Amazing. Well, thank you for, for your time, Jeff. Really appreciate it. I think uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more of you in the glamping space, but also the, the housing space as well, as you've mentioned. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you soon. But thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. This no is problem. fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. Th- thank you. Appreciate it.